Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, Aoife Bergen, Dairy Gold on calf care and promoting calf thrive. John Crowley, Chagas, Clonakilty, some dry stock advice. Havoc in the sheep sector. But first, an update on Fair Deal. Miss Sarah McIntosh, financing careers journalist with Country Living magazine in conjunction with the Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Sarah, welcome to the programme. Now, a topic which uh, has received an awful lot of attention over the years, various twists and turns and improvements introduced to the scheme. But in general, could I simply ask you, what is this Fair Deal nursing home scheme we read about? Hey John, just firstly, thanks very much for having me on Farm Talk today. Um, in, a re- in the recent Irish Farm Report, IFAC found that 90% of farmers have limited or no understanding of the Fair Deal scheme. So although, although it's covered quite a lot, it is still a pressing issue. Um, to put it simply, the Fair Deal scheme is managed by the HSE and it provides financial support to individuals um, to pay for the cost of the nursing home through the nursing home support scheme or the Fair Deal scheme. Um, so basically what it does is it's it provides individuals, the individual pays certain amounts towards the cost of the care, and then the HSE pays the rest. Now, who would be in general entitled to avail of the Fair Deal Nursing Home Scheme? Yeah, so any anyone who may need long-term nursing home care can apply, and it is free of charge to apply as well, which is important to note. And um, Once they submit their application form their, and their supporting documents, the local um, nursing home support documents and the HSE will then contact the applicant and it really is based on the care needs assessment, whether the individual um, needs needs to go into full-time nursing home care and it, it assesses the environment that they're currently living in then as well. Um, so once once they do pass that and it, it's kind of identified that the individual needs the support, um, then they move on to the financial ass- assessment. Could you clarify what this uh, look-back uh, clause is? Yeah, so the financial assessment works out um, how much you can afford to pay towards nursing home care, first of all. Um, now, the HSE pays the remaining, and it's it's done um, based on a weekly cost of the care. So it varies for single people and for couples. Um, single people pay it's 80% of their income, 7.5% of their assets, and there's disregarded um, credits as well. So it really takes in, into consideration all the assets that are there. Um, as you mentioned, the, the three-year cap, and um, this refers to the, a limit on how much you pay um, for the contribution of 7.5% based on the value of the assets. And um, it, it really is based on your home, um, the proceeds of the sale of your home or your farm or business. And the, the look back really is if you if you pass on any assets five years prior to applying for the nursing home care, um, those, those assets are taken into consideration. So really, if anyone um, in succession planning is planning on, on kind of transferring over assets, they kind of need to do it five years before um, before they are going into the nursing home. Um, and then with regard to the relevant firms and businesses, um, there's a number of terms and conditions that people have to meet um, to kind of avail of the three-year cap, I suppose. And I know the IFA have done um, done a lot of work in, in getting that down to the three-year cap and making sure that those assets are included as well. You now have a limit of three years where you pay 7.5% of the value of the farm. There's definitely a lot of changes that do happen every year 
um, with regards to assets, you know, the fluctuation in prices and everything. Um, so it, there was great work done um, by by the IFA there and, and in reducing that. Um, I spoke to, to Alice Doyle. She, she's actually the chair of the IFA and the Farm and Social Affairs Committee. And, and she actually just highlighted that this is probably the main issue that they deal with every single single day is the fair deal scheme people are ringing her up with questions about it so so that again is why we decided to cover it in in this week's irish country living and that's all in the edition of uh, country living with the irish farmers journal on the 1st of april 2023 before we began broadcasting we were just talking there about the eviction rule and the eviction vote in the doyle and uh, i think the uh, independents are trying to get uh, some other improvement to the fair deal scheme you might have the background to that one sarah yeah so in um, the in the vote for the eviction ban um, to be extended last wednesday's um, in return for their support in the controversial um, vote, the rural independents demanded that the government commit to changing the rules on the rental income from home owners using the Fair Deal scheme. Now, currently, people using the Fair Deal scheme pay 40% of any rental income from their primary home towards the cost of their care. And reducing that figure to zero was one of the independent TV's demands in exchange for their support. Um, so over the next few few months, really, um, we'll, we'll begin to see how it's going to change and what reform might come into effect. Speaking to Sarah McIntosh there, Sarah McIntosh, finance and careers journalist with the Country Living magazine, comes with Irish Farmers Journal. On page 14 and 15 of the 1st of April issue of Country Living, you set out all the details there. But on the other hand, should people seek legal advice, would it be really preferable that a person would seek, uh, go to a solicitor or seek legal advice or go to the IFA maybe or yourself? Yeah, so um, we, we've kind of said in, in our article that there there are local nursing home support offices that are available. Um, there's also the IFA Farm Family Committee, if you're a member of the IFA as well. Um, it really is so individual, like there's case studies there, but it is based on your own case. And sometimes you need to consider the succession planning in with it as well. So it tends to be quite complex. And we would recommend that you go seek professional advice, whether it be financial or from um, your local nursing home support office. The legal situation is so complex and all the rules and regulations. I think to be totally sure, it would be advisable to go to a good solicitor and ideally a solicitor with the experience of dealing with farm matters. It might be something to consider, but everyone does what they think is best. Thank you very much indeed, Miss Sarah McIntosh, finance and careers journalist with Country Living magazine, which comes with the Irish Farmers Journal. And we are fair one last time to your excellent two-page spread with an amazing amount of detail, page 14 and 15 of Irish Country Living, 1st of April, 2023. Thank you very much indeed, Sarah. Thanks a million. Thanks, John, and thanks for having me on today. You're very welcome. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Miss Aoife Bergen, Agri-Farm Support Lead and Milk Replacer Specialist for Dairy Gold Agribusiness. First of all, Aoife, welcome to the programme. Now, you very kindly agreed to talk to our listeners about various aspects of calf care, milk replacer, etc. What's the biggest issue that you've seen in this calf-rearing season so far? Hi, John. Well, look, there's never a calf rearing seasons without challenge and if everything is going perfect you'd nearly be standing back wondering why. But I suppose this year and I can't really put my finger on it, we've had a 
kind of an epidemic of bloat on farms and bloat is kind of a scourge at the minute because there's no one size fits all. It's a, it's a tricky enough issue to ha- get a handle on because there's many manufacturers that can play into it. But I suppose the best thing we were able to do was go out and farm, assess the whole situation and area, not only just feed programs, hygiene and everything that's happening on the ground but thankfully now we're we're nearing the end of it we're on the right side of it once the middle of april comes please god everyone's looking towards the weaning stage what should customers look for in a calf feed ration i mean should you carefully read the contents or should you ask questions before you buy it so boiling it all down to our question what to look out for in a calf feeding ration to make sure it's the best available good value Definitely. Like, there is a couple of points to be looking out for, and there's a massive amount of research done in this area. You've gotten the calf to this point, and now it's about really finishing off the rumen development. And by picking an excellent calf starter, be it a coarse ration or a pellet, you're really going to ease that transition from milk, the liquid diet, to grass. So I suppose a couple of points should be that calf rations, they should be roughly 16 to 18% crude protein. Like protein is required for all basic metabolic processes and growth. Next, you're looking at energy. Energy, very much underrated. They need to have adequate energy from a grain base. And your energy value should be anywhere from 13 to 14 megajoules of metabolizable energy per kilo of dry matter. I wouldn't go under 12. And you basically be looking at a 0.95 UFL required. Next thing is supposed to be looking at is your oil or your fat content. Now, this can be anywhere up to 4% in the starter. I wouldn't be looking at any more. And your fiber, like fiber is huge. And especially when you're transitioning to grass, your calf starter should have approximately 8 to 10% to stop digestive upsets. Now, would all that be written on the bag? I mean, does the bag generally have a fairly accurate and detailed list of the contents? Because obviously, you know, if you are looking for specific qualities, specific breakdown and contents, it would be very helpful if there was some place where all that is set out there and you can, you, know, you can tick the boxes, as it were. Oh, absolutely. And look, we're no stranger to it. It's an absolute minefield out there. There's products coming out of companies left, right and centre, but all products have to comply with a, a quality standard set by either Animal Health Ireland, backed up by research from Chagas, etc. So this all needs to legally be labelled on the back of the bags. And also the department will be regulating that fairly close as well. And then each company, the likes of myself, can come out explain what each ingredient means, what it's for, what its kind of purpose is. Because like, there's so much more than all of that. Like I know we've only spoken about the basics, but you have to look into vitamins and minerals too, which is huge in calf growth development. Can you give some tips or indicate the best way to approach the changeover to grazing management for calves? Definitely, and this is probably one of the trickiest time points in the calf rearing phase because as I said you've gotten them up to weaning now and I suppose every farmer is dreading hearing about clostridial diseases, your pneumonia, then we have the scourge again that's called summer scour. So and I suppose we're looking out the window now every day and it doesn't know whether it's raining and the next five minutes it's sunny but you know on a dry day try to turn out for the first time on a dry day Try by too many changes. So calves should either be weaned a few days prior to turnout or else wait 
for a week to 10 days post turnout because that'll avoid a lot of changes at one time stress and that's the last thing you want they must also whatever concentrates they were eating before going out they should still have access roughly to the same amount just to keep a little bit of routine and normality in place and also the number one thing is we hear a lot about summer scour and it's you know like this it's not a widely researched kind of issue it's a new enough condition but it's it's a scourge nonetheless but when you're looking at grassland management nowadays farmers are absolutely excellent and very very technically efficient at managing grass but this grass would be a little bit too lush for calves like you're turning out calves there to re- to pastures with really high crude protein like could be over 20 percent and very low fiber and like if that calf's rumen it's not, if it's not developed properly that's very very difficult for those calves to manage their grass like they're very selective grazers now naturally enough they'll want to consume the top leafier parts of the grass but that section contains more nitrates and non-protein nitrogen and this in an immature rumen will lead to a build-up of ammonia and this is when you run into issues with your summer scour but there is a couple of ways of managing that now the first advice i'd be given is don't offload calves onto a very fresh reseed it'll be just too much for them to handle it now i'd have a feed phase of straw whatever fiber you are using in the shed so that they know it's there they'll know by now whether they need it or not and also they can graze an older maybe heavier paddock that has more fiber naturally in it or you can also strip graze calves now depending on labor on the farm that might seem a bit tedious but it is really worthwhile because it kind of forces them to eat the leafy part and also the fibre part of the, of the grass. As regards the vaccine programme for calves, any tips or indications how you could uh, organise that uh, properly and effectively? Yeah, definitely. I can just run through a very kind of quick sample. Look, every farm is different and every farm will have their own bacterial pressure. They, they might just be notorious for having a different disease coming back due to load on the farm or whatnot. But it all starts very much so back at two to three weeks of age You'll be going in there with your pneumonia vaccine or dose, be it your RSC, your PI3, either subcut or intranasal. Then you're looking at your IBR live, which can also be given intranasally. And most importantly is your clostridial diseases, especially coming out to that grass, the grass turnout period. Those two vaccines will need to be given four to six weeks apart to get most effect. Because the last thing you want hitting grass is uh, black legs. And then lastly, coming in then to the back end of maybe the first grazing season, you might go in with another IBR, again, can be intramuscular and your last couple of shots of your pneumonia before housing. Look, it's subject to change on every farm and whatever your vet would advise, but certain routines will work better on farms. Now, the obvious question, just to review it, weaning from milk to grass for your calves? Yes, so listen, it all starts from the very beginning, like, when you're weaning those calves, you do not want an abrupt change because that only creates stress and stress brings on sickness in calves, as we all know. So myself, personally, I would always wean calves from the standard six litres down to two litres over two to three weeks. This is just so it's not a shock to the system and it's naturally turning the calves to that concentrate feeding. So, for example if calves are well able for the six litres and they're also getting through a nice bit of concentrate, I might wean them down over two weeks and see how they handle it. So roughly they'll be coming down 
anywhere from 200 to 250 mils a day. And so it's not a shock to the system and it'll also be turning to more fibre source. And like that then, just watching your turnout days, have them near the shed. And also some farmers might do is, just so it's not a shock to the calves, they'll turn out calves to grass during the day and might bring them back in by night just to ease them into the system. Because if you really, if you get this stage right, you're on the right road because there's production targets there to hit. And especially dairy heifers or heifer calves, they're not leaving you money until they start milking. So if you can maximise this stage of their life, you're, you're winning. You've half the battle made. All of our comments are against the background of uh, proper housing, proper feeding, all those uh, aspects of uh, calf rearing. And we know from experience that it's very important to have good ventilation in houses. But at the same time, you can have your good ventilation in the housing, but there mustn't be a draft. And that Yorkshire panelling can often help there. But all detailed information for listeners who've heard uh, our conversation is there any offer available on calf feed, for example, or any aspect of what we've been talking about? Yeah, yeah. at the minute, actually this week and next week, we're running an offer on Dairy Gold's calf feed range, uh, known as Calf Pride, Calf Grow and Rumi Force. Rumi Force is a relatively new product, but it's seen huge success and any of our technical side or our nutritionists would be, could stand over it very proudly. It's a fantastic product and like that it's there to target that summer scour syndrome so we've 10% off this week and next week uh, be it bag or bulk orders and um, it's a minimum 10 bag order but that's in place there and just naturally look we're all going to be feeding the calf feed so they might as well save a bit on it so get your orders in today and just I suppose to talk a bit about that roomy force product I couldn't recommend it my, more enough myself it's a very rare enough feed. It has electrolytes, yeast, vitamin B1 and your acid buff. So there's chemical buffers working immediately in the room and to get rid of that acidity. And also the biological side with the yeast, which has been heavily researched, that will enhance bugs that eliminate the lactic acid within the room. And, and also naturally enough there, farmers know the power of electrolytes that will replace some of the minerals that be lost during scouring. So basically that feed is if I could all, for all the world, I could call it a gut conditioner to enable the calf to handle whatever challenges going to grass will, will ha- throw at them. How can people find out more about what we've just uh, barely touched on? Look, you can give myself a call um, um, or you can call our own inside sales team and just to reiterate, my mobile number is 087-189-8417. That's Grant. Thank you very much indeed, Miss Aoife Bergen, Agri-Farm Support Lead and Milk Replacement Specialist for Dairy Gold Agribusiness. And of course, Dairy Gold Co-op are our sponsors. Aoife, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks very much, John. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr John Crowley, Chagas Advisory Office, Agricultural College, Derara Clonakilty in Caddicork. First of all, John, welcome to the programme. John, we have two clover farm walks here in, in Cork. Uh, the first one actually is on is on at uh, Tom O'Connell's farm there in Niscara, County Cork. Um, his, the air code for that farm is P31, K for Kilo, X for X-ray, 93. 
right? And that's on Monday, the 3rd of April at 11 o'clock in the morning. So that's the first Clover Farm Walk. The second Clover Farm Walk then is on here in the college, here in Clannacilty, here in Dara. And uh, that one is actually, and the air code for the college here, if anyone wants it, is P for Papa 85. A for Alpha, X for X-ray, 5-2. So P85AX52 is the air code for the college. And that walk is actually on Tuesday, the 4th of April at 11 o'clock in the morning. The topics, to be discuss- the topics that are going to be discussed at both of the farm walks will be including the establishment and the management of white and red clover and also the fertilizer strategies to maintain clover and pasture production. So there are the two clover walks then. We rescheduled our suckler breeding farm walk there. Uh, the new date, for, which is taking place at John and Christopher Daly, is there in Ballyvoig in Inneskeen County, Cork. Um, that farm will be signposted from the Inneskeen to Clannacilty Road, which is R588. And uh, the farm is four kilometres from, the signs will be four kilometres from Inneskeen on the Clannacilty side. That walk will be actually taking place on Wednesday the 12th of April at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, okay? And the topics to be discussed at that farm walk will include breeding and synchronization of the suckler cows, handling of the bull, and the new suckler scheme there, which is called the Suckler Carbon Efficiency Program. So we'll go into detail what's involved in that new program and what's involved in the scheme. So that walk is on Wednesday the 12th of April at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on John and Chris Daly's farm in Ballyvoig in Eskeen, County Cork. That's great. Altogether. The best forms are here. Is there anything that listeners should do, you know, to check over this form? Anything in particular that, you know, you should pay closer attention to than normally for the BIS forms? First thing to check anyway when you get your BIS form is go over your land details there and check, number one, that you have all your land, that, that the land that you claimed for last year is... And the land you intend to claim for this year is is actually on it. Uh, if it's not on it, you'll have to. If you change land, you'll have to meet the current changes to reflect it. Like if you lost land, or if you rented extra land, make sure not to forget to add or take them out of your base application for this year. Okay. The other thing then is to check that the areas, what check that your areas are correct, because I noticed there um, now that uh, some of the landscape features now are eligible for payment. Um, there's there's an area called Eligible area and then there's claimed area. And eligible area is the area that is now eligible for payment, okay? And some cases that are my, and the claimed area is what you claimed on last year. So, like, in some cases, the claimed area might be smaller than the eligible area. So, you can correct that and actually increase your claimed area to, to correspond with the eligible area. Now, if it's the other way around, if your eligible area is less, then obviously you have to change your claimed area to reflect that, okay? Next thing then you have to check in is on your maps, okay? The big thing is all the hedges and that are all marked now and all the maps there. And that's to do with the, these um, space for nature areas, which are all part of the eco scheme. So that if anyone, as you know, to get it for the eco scheme, if you pick, you have to pick two items there to, to get your eco scheme payment. But if you have more than 10% of an area of space for nature, greater 10% or greater, you will have fulfilled two of the eco-scheme areas. So check that your, your hedges are marked right. In some cases, there someone might there might be a, a wire fence is marked down the hedge, which is incorrect, so you have to get that corrected there. So basically, have all, get all that done there when you make your appointment there with your advisor there when it comes to your basic payment time. And uh, and just to remind you that the closing date, the closing date for BIS this year is the 29th of May this year. 
okay, which is actually on a Monday. Okay, so Monday the 29th of May is the closing date for BIS this year. What schemes are currently open, John, and what will the closing dates for these schemes be? Well, currently in the B side of the house, Emma, there, there are three schemes that are currently opened, okay? The first one, then, is the, the National Line Programme, okay? So that's basically where you get uh, the government will subsidise you up to the tune of €16 Euro per tonne of lime, um, for tonne of lime that you intend to spread. Um, that is, the minimum is for 10 tonne, the maximum is 200 tonne. The closing date for that particular one is the 20th of April this year which is actually the 20th of April is on a Thursday, okay? So Thursday, 20th of April is the close of the National Line Programme. The new Suckler Cow Scheme, which is the Suckler Carbon Efficiency Programme, that closing date is actually on the 22nd of May of this year, okay? So anyone who wants to do the new Suckler Carbon Efficiency Programme, or SCEP, as they call it, which is the, the Suckler Cow Scheme, 22nd of May, and then there's the new, there's also this National Dairy Beef Welfare Scheme, which is basically the weighing calves there, you know, that, that was there last year. Uh, that's now open as well, so where you get paid uh, 20 euro per calf, weighed up to a maximum of 50 calves. And the closing date for that scheme is the 2nd of May this year, right, which is on a Tuesday, okay? So the 2nd of May 2023 20, is the closing date for the, the dairy beef welfare scheme, which is the weighing for the cows. How can beef farmers manage their fertiliser requirements over the next few weeks for grazing and for silage? The Barton thing is like ideal. You have your first lot of nitrogen out. Um, ideally, if you have it out in February, like, you know, um, or even March. Uh, it all depends on your stocking rate. Obviously, if you're not that much stocked, you, there's not as much of a pressure there to put out, put out si- nitrogen early. Um, but I'll just give one example. For example, if you have a suckler, if you have a suckler to weaning system, okay, and, and the grazing sward there, and if your stocking rate is about 130, you plan in March probably have about 18 units of nitrogen out in March, and maybe 20 units in April, and 20 units in May, and maybe another 20 units in June, July, and 13 units in August, September. That's kind of recommended fertilizer application for nitrogen for a suckler to wean who is stocked at 130, okay? So the nitrogen, in part to get the nitrogen out, so get an idea of about 20 to 27 units out at the application at this stage, okay? P's and K's are now also important. So if you're, this is where the importance of soil samples come in. So if you need, if your soil samples need P's and K's, the time to get them out is March and April, okay? So you can either do it by using slurry, and particularly with low, low emission slurry has been a great way of getting out, okay? Um or else use the compounds as well. But I, this is where it's important to have your soil results. As you know, this year, anyone who's the stocking rate over 130 last year, they have to have soil. They must have, if they want to be continuing allowed to put out phosphorus on the field, on, the, on their farm, they must have soil samples taken in the last four years. Okay? So it is important... So, and because if they don't have it, if they don't access the science that they were taken in the last four years, those people are not allowed to put out any phosphorus all in the farm until the soil results say that they can. Okay, so this is why it's important to have soil results. So if your soil, the soil results will also tell you like if your P levels are correct or if your P levels are high. Because if your P levels are high and you you it you don't need to put out P and K, and that's you're saving money and that's the situation. But then if your P levels are low. Okay, well then, obviously you have to put it out because it's definitely going to improve 
that we're going to improve growth growth rates, like you know, um, put out the P's and K's. Another important thing is lime. Okay, lime is also important as well too. That the first thing you always correct, especially when you get a side result, if the limes are also low, the first thing you always put out is the lime. Because lime is number one, is the cheapest thing to correct. And number two, it's the most responsive as well too. Because if the if the pH is correct, your peas and cases that could be locked up in the soil because of the low because of acidic side, they'll be released once the lime is spread and you really notice the benefit the following year. So that's that's in relation to the grazing. In silage then like it's um with silage ground, it's important it's important the slurry the value of slurry is actually very important. Like for example, a thousand gallon slurry at six percent dry matter will have nine units of nitrogen in, in it, okay, and six units of phosphorus. Okay, and that's nine units of nitrogen now if you're spreading it using less, using low emission slurry. Okay, um, it's getting late now for if you're spreading fertilizer on the soil, ground, it's starting to get late because look, nitrogen use, use, soil, use, soil is used about two units of nitrogen per day. Okay, so if you're getting nitrogen out now, all right, let's say if you put out eight units of nitrogen now, we'd say at the first of April. You will that size won't be ready to cut until at least uh, at least the twelfth of May. Okay, so it is important if you're getting fertilizer and size ground now get it out. You know it's very important to get it out. Um, now if you spread slurry on it as well too, like just make the adjustments of it. Um, three thousand gallons of slurry would if you put three thousand gallons of slurry in it, that will actually supply most of your peas and k's for silage ground if your peas and k's are normal. But again this isn't highlights the importance of soil results so that you know like, more accurately how much peas and k's you have to put out. But it just highlights the importance of soil results there like, you know, but um but you'd want to be getting now if you're spreading it's getting late now for getting fertilizer out, but look, we're at a disadvantage the weather last while, but trying the forecast is looking good for next week, like, but you really want to be making a move to getting getting fertilizer out, especially for soils growing this day. Managing grazing, how to manage grazing where cattle were left out late, and how to deal with heavy covers, particularly after the recent wet weather. We've had three weeks though of wet weather there now, and I suppose we could apply. We could uh, we could have three groups of farmers in this in this situation, right? Right. The first group of farmers we could have is that the farmers who actually went out in early, went out in February when the weather was dry, and grazed well and hard. Okay, and for them guys there, when the weather broke, actually the rain the rain actually did them a favour because you see what could have happened is that if they could if the weather stayed dry, they could have actually run out of grass fairly early. You know, and um, so by closing, by having the rain and housing there, it slowed the rotation down for them. Okay, and they could resume and probably get on target then, so that they, when they get the cattle out back next week, they'd be finished out, finished out by the tenth of April. The second group would be for those who have maybe about thirty to forty percent of a graze. All right, for those people, who thirty forty percent of the farm who graze there in that time of the year, they just what they should do is. Let the cattle out when the weather gets right. Let the cattle out on the lowest covers possible, okay? Uh, of the first of the first rotation, and by doing that, they get through that quicker, okay? And leave the high co- if the covers have gone too high, let's say gone over 2000. Well, let's say you'll be nearly talking about taking out for bales, you know, taking off, take it off in silos. If they're before that, you maybe graze them to last the high covers, but let them out on the lowest covers first. And, and to clean that because they'll go through that quicker and then maybe let it and if the covers are not that high covers are not too high 
they can let him out in that, but they're over 2,000, well, then you're talking about stopping it there for, for bail. And then the last group, I suppose, is for a lot of people uh, who couldn't get a chance to get out the cat to get out the cattle out at all and until all until now um there's a big such problem here because look we're at the with the first of april okay and the problem here is that magic day is actually supposed to be out the 10th to 11th of april so you have only two weeks to try and graze out the whole farm so in that situation you you put the cattle out on the license covers again to get it through quick okay and the very heavy covers, you literally just have to take take the bales out, take them out and stop them for bales, okay? But um, but what I, just going back to the second group there, what I forgot to mention is that uh, before we let the cat out, have a look at the covers you've already grazed and just to see what the regrowth's like in them. Because if the regrowth is coming back quicker than, than what you think, um, you might let the cattle back into them if they reach the target, if, they, if the covers are up around the thousands. So you might go back into them and then maybe take out the very, very strong covers of the area size. That's just one suggestion. But look, it's for it, the last three weeks has been a nightmare in terms of grazing management. It just has come at the wrong time. But hopefully with the weather forecast coming next week that things will improve and hopefully it might improve the situation. But it's putting pressure on a lot of people, all right. Thank you very much indeed, John. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. Take care. Coming up next, the Carberry Mackerel Report with Laura Woods. Hello, my name is Laura and I'm bringing you the Carberry Mackerel News. Congratulations to Clonakilty Mackerel, who won the Carberry Round of the Team Public Speaking Competition recently. They will now represent the Carberry region at the national final in April. The region would also like to wish Kilmeen Mackerel member Katie Shannon the very best with her new TV show Farming Now, which airs on Monday nights at 10pm on Sky Channel 181 and also on other free-to-air channels. Carberry Young Farmers Development Group are hosting an event at an aerobic digester on Wednesday the 12th of April at 7pm in Timaleague. If anyone would like to attend, they can contact us through our Carberry Mackerel social media pages. Carberry Mackerel will be hosting the National AGM on Saturday the 13th of May in the Maritime Hotel Bantry. This National AGM will see Mackerel members from all over the country travel to Bantry. If any businesses would like to sponsor or be involved with the event, you can contact us through our social media pages. So as you can see, Carberry has Mokra has something for everyone and with clubs located from Inishannon to Beira there's bound to be one near you so if you are between the ages of 17 and 35 and would like to find out more please contact us through our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. I would also like to wish everyone a happy Easter. Mr Kevin Comansky, IFA National Sheep Chair. First of all Kevin welcome to the programme. What is the current state of the sheep sector here in Ireland? Thanks John and to your listeners. Um, yeah look at um, the, the sheep sector at the minute is in, is in crisis uh, I suppose it's about two months ago since since we had a, a crisis meeting in Atlone and uh, we have had uh, various different meetings since. We had one in Chum, we had a protest in Roscommon, we had another one in Tinnahili in County Wicklow, and indeed uh, what needs to be done, I personally went along with our, our sheep committee and handed in a letter of our demands after we met with the sheep vision group uh, into, as requested by the sheep vision group, we handed them into the Minister in Ag in Department of Agriculture House in Dublin. 
So, um, looking, we're basically looking for 30 euros EO. We have been looking for this for a long time. Um, I'm long enough on the committee to remember in 2016, we secured 10 euros in a sheep welfare scheme. And we asked that time that that had be built on to build it up as far as 30 euros EO. And unfortunately, we have seen no movement in that. It has been changed in the new CAP uh, programme. And it has been uh, the minister give a 20% increase indeed, uh, two euros uh, brought it up. He thought it was a very good increase by giving two euros, but um, I'm calling it an insult to sheep farmers, basically. So we need the 30 euros and we also need a payment of direct supports to lamb finishers that's uh, incurring huge costs there over the winter uh, finishing lambs, which I pointed out 12 months ago last March. Uh, that this crisis was coming down the road. I pointed it out to the minister and the government, but unfortunately, again, they failed to act. Now, even as I speak to you today, I'm after spending two hours watching a doll debate on support for the sheep sector. And the minister, both Minister Hayden and Minister McConnell Logue, was in the doll for a short time to basically thump their chest and say how good they were to the sector. And then they up and left and uh, basically hardly waited for any of the other uh, uh, politicians or deputies to speak. For, well, if they did, it was for a very short time. Very disappointing, no announcement and no further support. Uh, they talk about different schemes, especially the acre scheme. They talk about that and how it's going to support farmers, uh, sheep farmers. Sheep farmers will apply for it, but the acre scheme, I have to remind the minister and his department and the government that the acre scheme is an environmental scheme for environmental actions that farmers will be paid for to help the government to achieve their targets that they set of 25%. It is not a direct support for sheep farmers, what the minister is saying that it is. So that's a bit of on what we need in supports, uh, John. Now, there is a figure of €475 million Euro in export value for Irish sheep. Could you confirm that figure? Is that uh, in the right area there, an estimated €475 million Euro in export value to the Irish national economy last year, an increase of 17% sheep farmers' contribution? You're, you're right. Just one, one, uh, one notch out, John. It's €476 million in uh, 2022, Increased, as you said, 17%, 75,000 tonnes of uh, an increase in meat. And when you see the increase in that and the overall value to the economy, and you see the Chagas figures that was pointed out to us in at loan, that the income in 2022, as regards 2021, the income per yo in 21 was €39 Euros per head. Um, that was the, the margin that was made on them. In 2022, that margin fell by 32 euros, or 81%. It fell to 7 euros because of the high input costs when you take it, the fertilizer, the feed, and the fuel, the GFs, as we call it. So they are staggering figures. And yes, you see the huge, for the 36,000 uh, sheep farmers that's out there, contributed to the economy, and the minister decided to go forward with 2 euros as an added uh, extra support. Uh, I think it's disgraceful. Do you feel that Easter, the Easter period, that will provide some kind of a boost to demand for lamb and demand for sheep meat in general? Yes. The, the, 
religious festivals always every year and they come a little bit forward every year. Uh, and we see it at the minute when we started our campaign, uh, the crisis, it was um, the land price was about 16. It's probably about 660, 670 at the minute. So you will see and we have seen an improvement, but it's still dragging well behind 50 cent a kilo behind on what it was this time last year. Yes, the Easter always brings a little bit of a boost. But when them festivals is over, you see the price drop back again. So that's why we need the extra support, because, as I said, the Chagas figures that's going out uh, predicted for the income in 2023 will be below the seven euros that we had in 2022. The new dog control regulations, do you feel that that is progress to any extent, bearing in mind all the years and years of effort you've had in pushing for some kind of uh, responsibility on behalf of pet owners? Yeah, it will. Look, and it will. And I do welcome it because it comes from uh, the background that we have been pushing for, for years. And since I was elected chairman in January of 2022, I said I was making it a priority of mine because the dog attacks was such a serious issue on sheep. So, look, the, uh, the request that we had was microchipping, uh, licensing linked to a single database and linked to the responsible owner. So that's that's welcome. Uh, also, the new dog uh, warden's been put in place. It's an increase, I suppose, of in the region of 70%. We have about 60 dog wardens in place at the minute, and 40 more is a welcome increase. But it's all down, and as I said, on numerous occasions, and I've pointed out this on various different media outlets, and probably including your own as well, John, that enforcement will be key on this, and convictions. We have to see people prosecuted, and that's the best way because um, we can blame the dogs for as much as we want. And, you know, it, it, they are to blame, but it's their natural instinct to, to hunt and kill. But human behavior is, you know, has to change. When you see what happened in Wicklow there recently where a farmer was assaulted um, and out of the goodness of his heart for the last 15 years, he was letting his farm open and up letting people walk on his farmland out to enjoy, enjoy the countryside. And yet when he asked people to not to bring the dogs on it, he was assaulted. Disgraceful, um, and that sort of human behaviour has to stop. Underdeveloped uh, resources in the sheep sector. I think you were at the Oireachtas Committee when the owners of Irish Sheep Milk Ireland, based in Cashel, when they put their case uh, very, very forcibly, the value of Irish sheep milk. We're talking about sheep milk as opposed to cow dairy milk. But do you think that this resource of Irish sheep milk for export and specialised cheese, etc., do you think there's potential there for further development? Ah, sure, of course there is. And it, it was good to see them two young lads there, uh, the Cross Brothers, and indeed I know their father was on the committee with us some uh, years back there as well. So, look, it was good. And as I pointed out at the committee when I was asked, you know, is there a future for it? There is indeed. And it's for young people like that and new initiatives. And that's where they have to be supported. And, uh, you know, for young farmers has to be to encourage them to get into the into the sheep sector. And we need support for them to do that because at the minute, you know, they, they don't see a viable income in it. But in certain areas of the, of the country where, where it's suited to it for the sheep milk, Definitely, and I applaud them two lads for what their, their enterprise. Speaking to Mr. Kevin Comiskey, IFA National Sheep Chair, the obvious value of sheep wool if it's treated properly. Now, I know on a previous programme you spoke about the visit to 
England to the UK to Bradford, where you saw the big uh, operation there processing the wool. But any movement at all, any development following the publication of the report on the future of sheep wool and development? That's right, John. Yeah, again, it, it was uh, the feasibility study that Pippa Hackett uh, invested 100,000 into it, and it was published there. Now, they were waiting two years. They were sitting on it, and eventually it was published. It didn't really tell us anything, as I said, um, really, that we didn't know. The only good thing that I've seen possibly coming out of it was the setting up of the Wool Council, and it has met and is meeting again. It just had an initial meeting in before Christmas, and there is another meeting now uh, to set up the board and a working group uh, for the council in the beginning of April, the 5th of April, I think it is. All the stakeholders is invited, including myself and all the different farm organisations and people with any interest in wool. And certainly um, there is, you know, there is opportunities there for a lot of uses, a uh, lot of different things that can is named between carpets, insulation, you know, anything that can be done with wool. Uh, wool pelleting for fertilizer. There's loads of opportunities there, but getting it uh, washed and getting it ready for that or whatever is the the issue. And what I said and was full and unanimous agreement in the first meeting was that the farmer has to be rewarded for the wool at at farm gate level, and by that we could have a payment of what we have suggested eight euros when he presents the wool at the farm to the merchants. In good condition, the box will be ticked the same as you're scanning your yo's, you're ticked and it's scanned and your herd number is allocated to it and you get a payment for that. Everybody in the room agreed because 20% of the wool at the minute that's been presented, when it's been presented, is is uh, is dirty and is of no use and it costs a lot of money to get rid of. And then because the farmer has no interest in it because it's of no value to him, a lot of times he doesn't even bring it that far. Well... Thank you very much indeed for all that valuable information, Mr. Kevin Kominsky, IFA National Sheep Committee Chair. Thank you, Kevin, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. Thank you. You're very welcome. And that's the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to our contributors, Barry O'Mahony, News Editor, 96FM and C103 News, Murray Tuig, news reporter, now six month three FM News, and also creator of the regular Farm Talk program podcasts, to Laura Woods for her fortnightly reports from the Carberry region. Muckman Farmer reports. A very special thank you to you, the listener, of course, for tuning in, seven AM to eight AM Saturday mornings and Wednesday evenings, ten PM to eleven. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.